back in the car, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Our tree ball mints and tree ball oh, fruit. Oh, tree ball mints, yeah, yeah. Lovely. Ooh. Now then. Okay. Now, one thing to be aware of as well, sometimes people, when they talk, they go like that. You, really? know, you know those little ticks? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, <laughs> nah, don't want to be doing that. No, I'm going to put this nearer you as well, actually, I think, because, because of my loud voice. Right. Okay. Okay. Yep, you happy? I'm happy. Okay. Hello, and welcome to the Flower Pot Podcast. My name's Bruce Langridge, and my guest today is Hugh Jones. Hi, Hugh. Hi, Bruce. How are you? You all right? Really good, mate. Good. Now, Hugh is our farmer at the National Botanic Garden of Wales. And uh, I've been working with Hugh pretty much for as long as I've ever worked here. And mm. uh, dates get a little bit hazy. <laughs> but uh, Hugh, when did you start working down here? Uh, 2004. Yeah, it right. June okay. or June, June or July in 2004, yeah. And um, you've been pretty much working on the farm. And one of the things we're going to be talking about today is about how we run the farm, why we do what we do in the farm, uh, your experiences and how we do conservation. Uh, but first of all, before we go into any of that, just give us a little bit of a background about who you are, because you, you literally, because actually, just to let you know here, we're sat in the cattle sheds here. Yeah. We have a whole big herd of Welsh black cattle who are actually looking at us. <laughs> we might get a moo out of them at a certain point, you never know. But you uh, uh, were brought up just on a farm very close to here, weren't you? Yes. Yeah, so... Um yeah, I grew up on a on the family farm, probably about a mile away um, from Paxton's Tower, so a mile away the other side from the gardens, basically. Um, so yeah, I've spent spent my life in and around um, the gardens as it is now. Um, used to play play around the fields as a kid. Yeah. Um, used to get um, when I was in primary school. I used to have like a little taxi. wasn't a taxi, but it was the person who lived in uh, Team Alien actually. Which is the old um, Principality House. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. So she lived there. They were farming there. And she used to go around and collect some of the kids, you know, just to take them to school as a bit of a taxi. So, um, yeah, I always used to drive through the old road, right, which is which is sort of right through the through the gardens from the North Lodge, past the Circular Decision and out past the Aqualab. So, um, yeah, I've spent, I've spent a lot of time in and around the gardens, really, <laughs> all my life, you could say. Wow, so you, you, you more probably more than anyone else I've spoken to has seen the more dramatic change than anybody else. Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember how it was before the gardens came here, and I remember coming here um, when I was in college to see, see it being built, and obviously now I'm working here, so it's, um, yeah. And what, what were they farming when, when you used to come over? Can you remember? Um, so there were loads of little different starter farms, really, owned by the council. Um, and Pantugan, where I'm based, the farm is based, um, was a deer farm for, for a lot of that. So they farm deer here commercially. And was that uh, red deer, the big ones? Yes, yes, yes. And that's why we've got big deer fencing in place here and there. Still. Yes, yeah, in, in certain sections. Yeah, a lot of it's come down, actually, but um, uh, there are some small little pockets of it still up. Um, so you can see the remnants of it, but they were, they were, they were mixed, really, mixed farms, small, some dairy, some beef, some sheep. Um, yeah. a little bit of everything really, um, sort of just designed for people to sort of get their foothold into agriculture really, sort of, um, uh, to get it, to get a foot in and, and to make a start. And that's been going on since the 1930s, hasn't it? Yeah. Since 30s, the Middleton 40s, estate yes. sort of like imploded. Yes. And the land was sold to Commandership County Council and then the starter farms yes. went on from there. Yes. Yes. They broke it up into different, different, different farms, seven or eight, I think in total, um, yeah, and then we uh, amalgamated into what we have now. 
And your family farm, uh, what did you do there? Yeah, so the farm again was it was a mixed small scale, ninety acres. So we we would da- we would dairy for a bit, a bit of beef, a bit of sheep. Um, just a little bit of contracting. Um, had a very small slaughterhouse, and but I'm going back years ago um, for pigs and stuff like that. So it's really varied. Um, which is it's funny how it's changed now because because farms have become more niche really in a way, rather than sort of. Um, you know, having a little bit of sheep, a little bit of dairy. Yeah. You know, it's just tend to have gone more towards having all your eggs in one basket at the minute, really. And why is that, Hugh? That's just down to down to costs, really. Yeah. Um, it's it's they have to do it at a scale, um, because the the money just isn't there in it anymore. Where it would have been, you could have made a living. I think I remember my parents were milking perhaps about fifteen dairy cows, and perhaps they had about the same amount of beef cattle. Um, 30 or 40 sheep we used to do chickens and geese at Christmas time take them down to Llanelli Market sell them there you know they, they, they did a lot of little things but they all added up to the to the pot you know whereas now you can't do that because you just you just have to sort of almost specialise in one thing just to narrow those costs down to try and help make a profit So your farming background obviously came in fantastically well when you probably heard there was a job going down at the Botanic Garden Yes yeah. Yeah, I, yeah so I came out of school um, originally wanted to join the army. Always wanted to be a sniper in the army. <laughs> I did not know that. No, All yeah. years I've known you, I've never knew that. Yeah, right, okay. so that was I was geared towards. I, my, on my mother's side, that her family was 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 sort of army um, orientated, if you will. So I guess that's where it comes from. <laughs> Certainly not on my dad's side. Um, and then I came out of school and and I said, oh, I said to my mother, I, you know, I'm going to join the army. That's what I want to do. When I think war broke out somewhere in Iraq or someone, she's like, you're not going to the army. You're going to agricultural college. So that's what happened. So yeah, yeah. I spent that's 2003. Yeah, right. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, a bit well, a bit before that. Yeah. So yeah. I, um, I spent three years in agricultural right. college. Um, sort of came out of that. At that period, um, it was a funny transition in farming. Really, there wasn't certainly wasn't enough work at home on the family farm to keep me there. Um, there wasn't enough money generated, and and, and sort of in, in other local farms, it was a, it was switching over to the more the niche period. So there wasn't a really a lot of work for agriculture in the in the in the vicinity. So um, I took a job working in a in a in a factory, um, and spent three years there, and that that nearly killed me. I hated that, um, and it really it really sort of brought back just how much I really wanted to be out in the open air, mm-hmm. um, involved in agriculture and the countryside. Um, so I came out of there having enough. I couldn't stick it anymore. And, and, and yeah, would it be fate or whatever you call it, this, this sort of job popped up and uh, the rest is history, as they say. So when you um, came here in 2004, they had a, a farm manager, Tim Bevan, didn't they, at yes, the time? Yes, yes. Uh, so how, how um, describe the farm when you first came here. What was your first thoughts of the place? Coming from, a, a, I'd say, a more hardcore agricultural background, this was, this was completely way out there. This was like bonkers. <laughs> what was going on here, you know, yeah. uh, and and still is it some in some some circles of agriculture, you know, we're we're still sort of looked upon as as uh, oh, what the heck are they doing there now? Um, yeah. So it 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 took me a, a quite a while to sort of get my head around what was going on here and what what we were trying to achieve and and how that was how that was going to work and and the principles of it and stuff. But it it it's I sort of softened over time and and got into the swing of things and. Yeah, I, I, I'm not quite sure whether I'm there yet now, but <laughs> every year's different. But uh, yeah. yeah, it was it was a bit of a culture shock, really, almost. Because this farm had been set up in the 1990s uh, through, uh, I think when they started the Botanic Garden, they wanted to um, 
I mean, let's 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 get some distant sizes out of the way here. The farm is of what size? So I have three hundred and sixty-one uh, acres in total. Right, and uh, the idea was to make that into a, an organic working farm, wasn't it? There's- yes. So right from the get-go, um, I think the farm was actually up and running way before the gardens even opened officially. Um, so yeah, from the get-go, the early plans were an organic working farm. Um, working alongside a nature reserve or a reserve of some kind at that time, yeah. And it was just kind of just find. I, th- I mean, I, th- I wasn't there at the time, but the uh, the idea was to try and sh- inspire others to maybe farm in this way, and to try and farm to improve the biodiversity of the land as well, which is probably very different from other farmers around here. Oh yeah, com- completely different. I mean. Um, I suppose it had to fit with the core missions of the, of the gardens, really, didn't it? Yeah. Well, education, conservation, um, and that's what we're doing um, and, and building on that still. Yeah, and it's completely different from, from there is no other farm, you know, probably with a 30, 40 mile radius of here that's doing anything anything like what we're doing. So, um, But uh, f- for most of the uh, first few years here then, the, there was... Um Apart from two fields which have been put over to uh, creating hay meadows, the rest of the farm, well, including those meadows in the winter, were given over entirely to grazing. Yes. And yes. So, can you give me an idea of the size of the, um, the flocks and herds that you had when you first came here? Well, um, to put a bit of history, when, when I we first came here, we were working alongside ADAS, um, which were a, um, a sort of agri. Um, I can't remember what the word for them is. They're like a research. They're another research body yes. in Aberystwyth that, yeah. that sort of research develop things in agriculture. Um, at the time, the gardens didn't have enough money <clears throat> to have their own stock, so the partnership was uh, was was brought about that they brought the stock down to help manage the estate. We looked after them and took a took a percentage of the profit of the sales of the animals, and um, that worked probably for about three or four years that I was here initially, and then. Um, you drifted away. From, I, I can't remember why we drifted away from that. Something obviously wasn't working. Yeah. Um, and we had a little bit of money, so I, I think we bought a bit of stock of our own at that time. But we were still quite under under sort of resourced in the terms of sort of stock numbers. So then we we took to um, colleagues here, Gar, a, a partnership with them, and the uh, the sort of idea of that was to try and um, get the more mainstream kids coming up through the college that were a little bit more hardcore just to try and explain to them what, what we're doing here and, and, and how it works and why we're doing it. And uh, hopefully they'd go away perhaps and look at that at their own enterprises back at home and change things slightly, become more sympathetic to what we're doing, try and, try and sort of bridge that gap a little bit. Um, and that ended probably about eight years ago. That Is that long ago? Yeah, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight years ago. So then we made the push then. We sort of said, right, let's go for it. We, um, we bought our own stock. Um, so started off... Um, with a very, very small flock um, of the Balwens, which are native to the Tawi Valley, um, perfectly suited for what we need here. And um, Did we start with Flamwenogs? Oh, yes, we did. So yeah. Yes, we did. Sorry, sorry. So, um, yeah, so we, we started off with a, a small flock of Flamwenog sheep, um, native to Wales, but they, they didn't really suit what we wanted at the time. Um, didn't work with the system, so we phased them out and, and moved towards um, the Balwens, which we now currently have, which are a Tawi Valley breed, literally a stone's throw away from here, so perfectly suited for what for what we need. Um, 
And then we um, continued on with the Welsh Blacks, which have always been here um, from from sort of uh, day dot, really. Um, it's important to have the native breeds here uh, and keep them going. So how many? Well, give us an idea of numbers that you've got at the moment. I mean, I'm looking, it seems like hundreds in there, but <laughs> they're probably not. No, dozens, so maybe. we have 28 breeding cows. Um, and then what we call the followers, so the young heifers and, and, and steers and calves um, coming on. And then on sheep-wise, I think we're uh, um, running 60 head of views in total between everything. Um, we have Rebecca, um, who works in education. She's she's my shepherdess. Um, yeah, I'd like to speak to her on a podcast one day. I yeah, so yeah. yeah. Um, so she does she does more of the sheep stuff because I, I, I'm not a big fan of sheep. <laughs> I'm more the cow man and the tractor man myself, so I leave all that to Rebecca. Um, so yes, yeah, so we're yeah we're running about sixty head of head of sheep at the minute. Okay, and uh, where we are in Pantugan Farm, which is on the sort of like of the perimeter of the Botanic Garden. Yeah. Uh, um, you have here we've got this cattle shed in front of us. There's another cattle shed beyond. Yes, you've got the sheep or the lambing sheds as well. Yep. So you've got quite a big sort of area, haven't you, for uh, – you bring your cattle in for winter but not the sheep. Yeah, right yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, obviously the cattle have a bigger footprint um, and it does tend to get quite wet here in Wales, funnily enough. Very wet, yeah. <laughs> So and obviously the nature reserve takes, takes precedence over everything. Um, so we do bring the cattle in over winter. They, they, they. If the conditions were right, and we, we'd, we'd leave them out all year. That's, that's what they do. You know, they're yeah. really hardy breed. That's where they'd like to be is outside. But um, yeah, it's, it's. But the sheep, the sheep are perfectly suited for staying outside. Small footed, very light. Um, they don't tend to make too much, too much of a mess over winter, really. So when, with the, when you bring your cattle in, uh, what, do you, how, what do you feed them in the winter? So we make our own fodder here on site. Uh, have forty acres um, of, of, of grassland. Um, and that, that makes our, our silage for the year and a little bit of surplus sometimes that we can sell on to local farmers if they're short. Um, the sheep tend to tend to get very little, if anything, really over winter. Um, obviously, if it snows really heavy or if it's really frosty and the grass quite isn't there, we might take a bit of silage out to them, but they do just tend to be on grass, really. So, so. Now, I've seen you in the past, though. You've been growing things like swede and peas, and what's all that about? Yeah, so we have a, we're in an agri-environmental scheme called Glastier and have been probably for the last seven years, I think it is now, um, perhaps even longer, actually. Um, and, and they pay us, it's a scheme, basically, they, they pay us to, to grow some uh, arable crops and some cover crops of winter, although we haven't done the, the, the turnips for some years now. That, that, that ended. But we turnips, st- not Swede, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yes, double turnips. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> kind of go. the same thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, we grow the uh, what's called an arable silage, which is um, a pea and a barley mix or a pea and an oat mix, depending on what you want. And the idea of that is that we we let the peas ripen and, and the oats or the barley ripen. They, they 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 drop their seed or their fruit down onto the ground, and it's 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 some feed for the for the birds over winter. Really, it's yeah. the idea of that. Um, and it sits alongside what we do here as well um, with the nature reserve. Okay, and uh, with the cattle, um, the numbers that you've got here are, are these. Is this is kind of ideal for you, or is this like? Um, I think we'll get into the conservation side in a minute, but for you, is yeah. this to feel like a right side of herd for you? I mean, we, we can go a little bit. It's always awkward here um, because obviously the, the nature, the cattle are here for the nature reserve yeah. uh, and the sheep are to manage it. Um, but but springtime can come a lot later. 
in the years. It's, no two years are the same, so it's quite quite hard to know just how much grass you're going to have for the season. So it's always a case of, well, is it going to be an early spring? Is it going to be a massive influx of grass that we need to get on top of? Yeah. Uh, is winter going to come really early and, and the grass growth is going to drop off to bring the cows in? It's really, it's, it's, so it's, yeah, we could have a few more cattle, um, perhaps sort of up to the 30, 40 mark, potentially doubling the size, um, if you will, I suppose. But it's always a kind of a suck it and see every kind of well, every kind of spring really as to what's going to come ahead. You've been saying things to me, Q, over the years like, "Oh, everyone knows that about farming," and they don't. You know, you know an awful lot about your instinct about how to farm. You kind of know what you're doing, um, but you, you, you honestly, you, you sometimes don't don't realise that hardly anyone else understands all this. No, I, I suppose you, you you don't in any job really. I suppose do you? you do what you do, and, and and you just you just tend to think that everybody else knows what you're doing. And- <laughs> <laughs> when yeah. you're, you're plodding along and it's, yeah, yeah, you start talking to people and actually think, oh, okay. <laughs> it's, uh... Now you also, uh, and from a farming point of view, you um, we sell the uh, the beef and the lamb, but where do you take the um, uh, the cattle and sheep to the abattoir? Well, we haven't we haven't actually done the box meat scheme probably for about four years now, perhaps even five years, um, for various reasons. Um, but when, when, when we do do it, uh, we're a bit limited really in, in, in sort of, uh, in, in sort of abattoirs really, cause there's only, there's only two, well, there's only really one we can use one that's registered organic that's up in Trigaron. So it's quite, it's quite a spin to take livestock up there. Because look, look, the soil association we're in with them as well. Yes. Yeah, so we, we're organic. So we, yeah, we're, we're with the soil association to, so to send or to sell our, our produce organically, that obviously the abattoir and, and, and the butcher unit obviously also need to be um, licensed as organic. Yeah. And, and there's only really one of them within a, probably about a 70 or 100 mile radius of here. Um, so yeah, we're really limited. So yeah, it used to go up there. Um, they used to process it. We pick it up, bring it back down. And, and, and uh, But yeah, it, it's something that needs to be um, uh, brought back up and running again. Uh, and uh, instead of that, what have you been doing instead? Um, so currently at the minute, uh, we just sell them what we call as, as sort of wean calves, really. So they, we calve in April, springtime. They'll spend spend their sort of summer, spring, summer and autumn out on grass. Um, and then they get weaned off their, their, their mothers at about 10 months of age, just before the cattle are housed. And then they get sold sold off in, in the market and then usually on to either a, another breeder or a, 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 someone who finishes them on. Um, as to fat cattle. And where's your market? Varying places. Um, could be in Carmarthen, Mart, that's just newly opened. Could be down in Whitland. Could be in um, Brecon. Uh, we have straight over over the border into Ludlow. Um, so, yeah, it just depends on the timing, really, where the best price is. And that's uh, part of what you do as well. You just keep an eye out for the prices. Yeah, and think, oh, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. get a feel of what's going on. Where's the best, best price at the time, really? And are those, are they um, auctions? So like, for, again, someone like me who doesn't do it, uh, I imagine you go to these places and you have this incomprehensible 35, 45, 55, 55, is it like that? Yeah, sold. You got the job, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stick to your day job. Um, yeah, pretty much. Goes to a market and goes to the highest bidder, basically. Okay, yeah, so you've, you're almost like you're dancing on your feet like a boxer. You're dancing on your feet all the time, just trying to find the right place to get the best sort of, yeah, from, yeah, it. yeah. I mean, we're always, it's, it's like, we're always probably 12 months ahead. I'm always thinking 12 months ahead. So I've already pretty much sold the cattle in my head, <laughs> you yeah. know, before they've even been, before they've even been born, if you will. Um, 
it's 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 yeah we're always working sort of six months ahead of ourselves to sort of try and get the best we can and do you ever uh do you go out and buy new stock or do you try and uh, breed it yourself no yeah so we breed ourselves which is pretty much what's called a closed herd in a way um we change the bull every three years obviously because that's when when his daughters will become uh ready for the bull and obviously we don't want any uh, any problems yeah. if you will so yeah we change the bull every three years um apart from that we we rear our own heifers as replacements here do you ever give the bulls a, a name um, I was they, thinking missing out on a trick here. <laughs> well, they, they, yeah, if we buy them a uh, registered pedigree, then they'll have a name. Um, we could rename them. Yeah. Because Rebecca's done this with the sheep, hasn't she? She's had Lord Reese as a beaver. Yeah, we had Lord Reese as the last one. Yeah, he's gone, unfortunately. So um, we've got the new one in. We haven't named him yet, actually. Um, yeah, but, but the bull, I, I, yeah, I need to look up to see what his name was. I think the last one was called Gwilym. Yeah. Uh, I remember rightly. Okay. But, uh, I yeah. don't think we make enough of this naming ceremony. <laughs> we should do more about that. Yeah. Okay. And uh, and one of the things that you've got to be really careful of as well, I know that it probably gives you the heebie-jeebies all the time, is the uh, the threat of some sort of outbreak of TB or something like that. Yeah. I mean, we've we've had TB here in the past. Uh, Touchwood. Luckily, we've been we've been free of it probably for about five years now, six years perhaps even longer. Um, we, we have a healthy population of badgers here. Uh, we're very lucky we're ring-fenced here, so there's pretty much a road around the entire estate or the farm. Yeah. So we have no neighbours. Um, so, there's so yeah, no, we have a healthy herd of badgers and touch wood. We've been free for some time, but it is always in the... It's, 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 you just have to deal with it if it happens. It's the only thing you can do. And I know you get uh, you get deer coming onto the site, don't you? So, uh, which could be carriers as well, potentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They say deer, deer, deer do tend to carry it. Um, sheep carry it as well. Um, so it's it's yeah, okay. it's, it's around. Yeah. And um, I think neither of us was here when it's foot and mouth, were, were we? No, 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 no. That was about just before, I think. Neck, I can't remember here. where I was. Yeah, foot and mouth, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, but I you... don't think it stretched this far anyway, though, did it? Do, do not? No. All right, okay. So, really, you've got a pretty healthy herd yes. of free-range, organic uh, cattle and sheep. Yeah, Welsh black, yeah. And, um, by the way, have you ever had anything that's not Welsh black cattle here? They may have, they may have had right, and I'm going back to probably 96, 97, um, they may have had some continental breeds here. That was probably pre-Tim Bevan, the initial farm manager. Okay. So, yeah. But that was a very short period of time. And it's yeah. worth saying as well that the uh, the Welsh blacks are, are very well suited to the ground, but they're not as they don't bulk up like some of the bigger breeds do. No, so they're not they're not they don't have the, the carcass sort of weight. They're not as big as your continental breeds. Um, not so heavy footed then if you will, so you don't get the trampling potentially that you would do with your continentals. Yeah. Um, but we've we've chosen to go with Welsh blacks all the way along because of partially for the breed because they're a Welsh breed yes which I think is we, very appropriate for a national well yes exactly national botanic garden yeah 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 um, and likewise with the sheep I know we've gone through several breeds of sheep uh, and for a little, long time we had some clean sheep didn't we which were yes, very heavy commercial things yes yes um, more commercial but is is the soil here suited to sheep 
am I right to say you have to give them supplements because there are certain chemicals n- not in our soils? Well, no, I, no, we don't so. supplement. We don't supplement our sheep or our cattle with that, with, with anything really, um, vitamin or mineral wise. Um, I, I'd say the reason reason probably for going more native is is the the quality of the grassland isn't here like it would be in a productive farm. You know, we don't we don't yeah. we're not artificially fertilizing uh, with nitrogen. You know, we, we don't have masses of slurry that goes out here, so we don't have really aggressive sort of um, more commercial grass. And if you will, we're, we're more you know completely the opposite of of that. So you need something that can convert easily convert your your rougher, if you will, I say rougher grazing to meat and milk, and that's what the traditional breeds do really well. Yeah. Um, where the continentals perhaps uh, fall down a little bit they wouldn't they'd survive here they wouldn't die here but you know we wouldn't we wouldn't be maximizing you know you have the commercial cattle and sheep for a reason it's because you want a, a quick turnaround basically from when they're born to when you can sell them whereas here it probably takes us oh, 40 months before they go to slaughter to right. the abattoir before they're actually ready any any kind of carcass size or any confirmation before we can do anything with them Whereas, whereas you'd have probably fattened two batches of commercial cattle in that time scale. Because we don't use fertilizer, so the grass doesn't grow up, and we've also got lots of wildflowers here. Yeah, but you don't you yeah. don't have the traits like in the commercial cattle. You know, they're growing, the growing the 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 daily live weight gain is just is just so much more. Um, yeah, you know, um, because they're pushed that much more. And I know the um, uh, the taste test, which I, I often struggle with myself to tell big differences. Are you very good at ta- tasting the difference between? Welsh blacks and other breeds. Yeah, you can, you can. Because um, you and I went to uh, a very posh night out, didn't we? At the we did, Van Dovery yeah. College once, yeah, and there yeah. were chefs there from London. Don't get to do that very often. No, but it was, it was a good night out, wasn't it? And and they uh, they were cooking up the Welsh black. Yes, uh, and they were saying how nice it was. I remember. Yes, yeah. I mean, they were all raving about it, and 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 um, you know they were very keen to use it and, and get more of it. Uh, yeah. I think it's the fat content and, and the marbling and everything that makes the difference as well. You know, you don't get it's a lot leaner. I think when you go more commercial, yeah, you can you can definitely see the difference. Um, I suppose it depends how you cook it. Can you, can <laughs> if you, you nuke your steak? You're never going to tell the difference, are you? But <laughs> no, but you say you can see the difference. What what is it? It's, it's the dark, the darker color in in in. It's just a real a uh, Welsh black meat. It's just really a darker color. You can. You can see the difference, and, and the strands of white, the marbling of fat that goes through it. It's like marbling. It's like a piece of marble when you look at yeah. it. You know, it's a chunk of marble. You got all that little veins of white running through it, and you don't get that quite so much with your commercial. You know, your more intensely produced cattle, and because they're putting fat on and, and meat on a lot quicker. Yeah. Sorry, you're not putting fat on quite so much, but yeah, you know, putting meat on quicker than what these these guys would. This is speculative thought from myself here, but because they're eating a lot more like wildflowers or more, instead of eating just like one type of grass, they're eating quite a varied diet here. Do you think that has a good effect for them? Oh, of course it does. Yes, it's bound to have a, yeah, and like anyone having a varied, varied diet is always better for you, isn't it? I think and, so. And I think that comes through obviously in the, in, the, in the quality of the meat and how it, how it looks and how it tastes. Yeah. 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 And that draws us a little bit to the um, why we're actually here, because in 2007, I think it was, we became a national nature reserve. Yes. And we chose to use the word wine last, which is one of the, uh, the farmhouses called wine last. Yes. Uh, which kind of like with a bit like blue fields or something, blue green fields. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, loose um, translated. Loose yeah. translated. And, um, but, or, but since then, and bef- well, since the garden opened, we've been trying to farm for biodiversity, 
So uh, we've been, in certain places, we've been trying to graze in the way which encourages wildflowers. And I know there's, there's a particular field which we call the World Caraway Field, which is, I'm sure gives you loads of heebie-jeebies because it's very, very wet and everything. Mm. But in that field, um, I remember talking to Tim Bevan when I first came here, and he said that it was full of rushes when he first came, and then he grazed it in a certain way that uh, uh, beat down the rush, he flailed it loads. And then it's erupts now with the county flower of Carmarthenshire, the world caraway, Carum verticillatum. It's an amazing sort of like umbellifer-looking flower, which in the end of June can make that whole field look like it's covered in snow. Mm. Mm. So um, um, how much is... Uh, well, I don't know. If it, how much is uh, people like me fuss-potting about conservation <laughs> grazing affected your operations? Well, it hasn't affected at all, really, in a way. That's 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 why I'm here, and that's why the animals are here. You know that, that and that's the beauty of this place is we can chop and change and do things, you know, differently all the time. There's no one set real principle on how we manage things. Yeah, I think that's really good. And and well, like you've seen uh, last year, for instance, we we undergrazed a couple of the fields, Kaikalch, uh, and and there's, there's stuff that's come up there that we we've not seen in the 17 years that we've been here. So, really um, fascinating Kaikalch. It's it's our biggest sort of meadow, and it's uh, it was a field that was like just just normally that that was you go to grazing field, I suppose. Yes. And uh, but there was slightly less grazing last couple of years, and they suddenly started to erupt with. Um, First of all, bluebells and uh, and pignut uh, and clovers and uh, birds for truffle start to, I start to notice those a lot more. Mm. And then come the autumn, we suddenly got uh, a whole load of crimson waxcaps, which are uh, one of the rarer types of grassland fungi, which take decades to establish. So they're obviously there, but they're obviously suppressed because of all the trampling of the feet yes. that had gone in, in there. So when you less trampling in there, suddenly the, the fungi came up. Absolutely amazing. I mean, I... I it, <clears throat> It's such an interesting example about how grazing really affects mm. our biodiversity. Mm. But the fact that um, although we've been grazing over the years, all, everything came back. So mm. I don't think we're over overgrazing, but um, but we certainly weren't putting anything in the soil to get rid of all these things. So they were all around, and they're all, yeah. And uh, I, I just I'm always interested to see how you move your cattle around as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, like you say, they've always been there, and I think they're 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 there. In other farms as well, um, certainly my, my own farm at home, um, since I took over sort of managing it from my father, there's, there's been a lot less stock on there and a lot less inputs in there. And I've seen a lot of things coming up there that I've, I've you know, I've never seen before. And, and we used to, we used to fertilize at home, you know, obviously, uh, like, like most commercial farms do. Um, so it's there, but it's, it's just, it's giving it time and, and, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just grazing it and doing the best you can with what you've got really. Um, and, and trying to get that across to others. And we've been doing uh, um, in the last few years. We well over the last over the ever since I've been here and you've been here. So we've had two meadows we put aside to be um, uh, over to hay, mm. and uh, because it's just worth re-emphasising that ninety-seven percent of all species-rich grassland in the UK. Have disappeared over the last hundred years, and that's mm. such an astonishing figure. Mm. As a botanic garden, we want to encourage more wildflower meadow, meadows, not only because we know it's better for biodiversity and pollinators and and birds and so on, uh, but for us as well. It's just the the act of having what we call like in situ conservation mm. and a living library of different wildflowers, so our visitors can come and actually see what a 
an orchid-rich meadow can actually look like and mm. experience that. And it's just astonishing. And it's, you, you hardly get to see that anywhere else. No. So we did, we've been doing that for, with two of our fields, Kai Traskoid and Kai Tagarianii, for uh, about, say, 20-odd years. But in 2016, we tried an experiment, which I'm really glad you, you were game for, mm. you. Because <laughs> you probably thought, oh, what's he up to? What's he suggesting <laughs> now, this idiot? <laughs> but, but we took hay from two from those meadows and we put them into two of our uh, fairly um, species poor mm. pastures yes. on the south side of the site, a place called Kai Derwin and Kai Wine. And uh, astonish- what I think is really funny, I think we, we planned to do this in July and for some reason we didn't get round to do, to do it right. until like August. August, yeah. And that was a perfect sort of like unplanned mistake because what happened within two years is that orchids started to come up in these fields which before were just dominated by grass because by leaving it late all the orchid seed had had time to mature in the other meadows yeah and um we've since done the same on another meadow kai guaya in 2019 which is when you first go into the nature reserve and uh, the transformation in these fields has been absolutely astonishing in such a short time. Mm. It's like speed dating for conservation. Is, yes. And uh, I know we've had experts down here just amazed how quickly it's changed over. And it's one of the reasons we have a very rich amount of parasitic plants called the, ye- the yellow yeah, apple and eye bright. And they, they suck the life out of grass and allow space for wildflowers to come in. Mm. Um, mm. But... One of the, we've done it not just for esoteric reasons, though. We've done it for a bit of a commercial reason. So, yeah. When, when we first conceived doing doing this, did you think that's a bit nuts? Did you see any potential in it? Or, uh, yeah. I mean, I was yeah. Like your first comment, what the hell is this guy doing now? <laughs> um, he's not taking his pills this morning. But um, <laughs> yeah, when we were doing it, um, there was funnily enough, there was a, a local contractor. Um, the opposite side of the road who's who's doing some silage for the local farmer and i remember that the way we were doing it we were spreading it out of a a muck spreader yes onto the field um and the guys those guys there were 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 amazed they were just standing in the field look looking at us and i remember one of them coming over and saying what the heck are those guys doing there now and i explained to him what he was doing and he was like you guys are crazy and they were just laughing and then sort of walked (laughs) off um and, and, and that's how it's quite hard, always been hard to try and sort of get that across to your, to your, your, your sort of more hardcore farmers about what we're trying to do here. They just see it as, 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 as a bit of a, oh, they're crazy. But actually, it's come into fruition this year or last year then because we, we've, we've you know, had, had a lot more interest, certainly more than we've had in the last sort of 17 years that I've been here. And yeah, it's, it's, it's becoming a commercial venture now, actually something that we can talk to other farmers and say, well, hey, you know, actually turning it over to this hay meadow is, is, is not only good for the environment, but it's good for your pocket as well. And uh, Yeah, I mean, at, the, the, on several levels, I think I'm really excited by it. Uh, but just on a cold fact, you, we sold £17,000 worth of wildflower seed last year, Yeah, which is um, from nothing a couple of years before that. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And all those uh, wildflower seeds, as far as I'm concerned, wherever they go, and we've kept them to Wales, so like mm. locally sourced, because uh, there was hardly any source of uh, wildflower seed in Wales apart from Windrush Farm, which is um, down in Pembrokeshire. Pembrokeshire yeah, uh, that fellow called Matt runs. 
So um, all the sort of like um, anyone who wanted wildflower seeds in Wales just had to buy it from England or from Europe. So we got this really uh, unsuited seed coming into Wales. And so now we're having pockets of Wales are now flourishing with our wildflower seed. Yes. And uh, wherever a wildflower seed takes, you get the butterflies and bees and then the birds and all the whole food chain mm. starts up from there. And it's all coming from here, yeah. I think, is, is exactly what a National Botanic Garden should be doing like ours. Yes. Is, it's proper good conservation. It is, yeah. And um, we're going to be doing that again this year I mean every year we have to find a market for it again we started we didn't know it would sell a single penny of it no but you know um, uh, it's been great we've worked with people like Plant Life and the mm. National Trust uh, and the, uh, the Welsh Trunk Roads mm. uh, that, that's been really really interesting doing that And we, but we've also done something when we moved our hay it's called Green Hay and we've also been taking green hay to local farmers around Llanarthny, haven't we, as well? Yes, yes. We did a, a couple of local local farmers down in the village of Llanarthny who were interested through the um, SMS, the Sustainable Management Scheme The Dufferin Tower project, project Helen Wheatier yeah, talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's good. So that's getting it getting it out into the into the local sort of network, if you will. Um, yeah. And, and that's one of the beauties, is not what we've touched on really, about, about being here, is, is no one's really sort of told us what we need to do. No. We've always had a bit of artistic license to sort of say, oh, let's have a go at that and see if it works or not. And sometimes it doesn't work. We've done things that perhaps haven't worked in the past. Yeah. And and, 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 and we have some absolutely fantastic success stories. So that, I think that's that's really one, one good thing about us being here. We can pretty experiment and, and sort of have a go at loads of different stuff that probably a lot of other places wouldn't be able to do. Yeah, when you're looking at different farm incomes, and that's a very interesting way to yes. actually suddenly think you've got a, yes. a relatively big income coming from that now. Yes, which is that, you know, the climate we're in at the minute with the way everything's going, um, sort of agricultural payments are, are going to be potentially moved more towards ecology-based um, targets on the farms, if you will. So we're, we're perfectly yeah. poised for um, either for selling the seed or, or, or giving advice, uh, things like that. Because this springtime, there's going to be agricult- a new agricultural bill consultation coming out, if, if I'm right. Well, nobody really knows. I don't even think they know, really. <laughs> it's, I mean, they, they keep extending the sort of single farm payment, which is a, a subsidy scheme that all farmers are given. Yeah. Um, that, that's supposed to end at some point, and, and there's supposed to be some brother or sister of that, but they don't even actually know what they're going to do yet. So we'll, we'll, we'll but see the, But the, 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 the feeling in the industry at all... For, it seems so, to be more seems and more to be going towards based. that, yeah. Yes. And I think uh, we have the potential here to become a demonstrator farm. Well, yeah, we're, we're, we're there, we're doing it. We're, we're, we're exactly perfectly poised to sort of um, give that advice and, and help people out, really. Yeah, and the thing I like about you, here as well, because you kind of come with a probably a, not quite a cynic side, but sort of like a raised eyebrow here and there. But you know what I mean? You, yes. you're, not, you're not just like an ideologue just going, everything's brilliant. <laughs> you just, you, 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 you know, yeah. good, good on you. You're giving things a go. Well, yeah, yeah. well, you have to, don't you, really? I mean, yeah, to a extent, you have to cost effort. We can't, we can't, you know, there is a limit to what, to the wacky kind of stunts that we do here, but yeah. Um, yeah, you've got to give stuff a go, you? otherwise you'll never know. No. Um, um, and this this might be the time to freely confess on, on sound here that I, I once made you uh, help me do something which was a complete disaster. I don't know if you remember, <laughs> but we had um, on where our wax cap field is, um, where we get our grassland fungi. Uh, one year, the sheep hadn't been nibbling down the grass enough for my 
for your liking. For my liking. And I had a fungus day coming up. And I oh, had yeah, all these yeah, people, remember. I thought all these people turn up to a fungus day and they're all going to want to see the wax caps and there'd be too much grass. So you and I put up the electric fencing all around the best bits <laughs> and then crammed it full of sheep. Yeah, well, yeah, I tried nibbled, to cram it full of sheep. Nibbled it to death, though, over the next well, I'd, two I'd, weeks or something. Well, I think they leaked out slowly more than they actually grazed the area that we wanted to but uh but the end result was that not a single wax cap came up that no year because yeah. the trampling i we, hadn't we, thought yeah, about the no, trampling it was aspect. a bit it's a bit too excessive but you know that's what we're here for as well it's sort of like make a mistake yeah uh, learn from it so obviously trampling is a massive issue for grassland fungi and i've learned <laughs> that over the years uh but likewise with the wildflower seed it was a mistake we thought it was a mistake well that worked out all right doing it in 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 middle of august and indeed we also did the um a green hay experiment in 2019 when it's absolutely lashing with rain mm. and i thought yeah, oh, no this is just this is, isn't going to work but actually that's worked even better for some reason <laughs> <laughs> that maybe the rain has actually taken the seeds into the soil and yeah. it's actually done the job and i yeah. suppose when you when any of us actually do any sort of thing in the garden we always like water the planting well, you don't do we to hold the seed in yeah so you think oh maybe that's what should happen anyway you know uh, it could be who knows? Yeah, <laughs> but you know, I, but we have we have a nice time doing it, don't we? We Hugh? do, and we definitely, and, do. Uh, and I think um, yeah. overall, if you if you walk around wine last in the summer, you'll see it absolutely buzzing with all sorts of different uh, pollinators and birds and things like that. But all the it's the wildflowers in there that particularly excite me, mm. and uh, and and the fungi, of course. Mm. Uh, so, but we're still on a sort of transformational journey. I mean, I'm noticing every year, for instance, that there's more and more wax cap fungi mm, are spreading, spreading out yeah. in different places, which must be the organic farming method that we're doing. But do you have a slight feel for uh, where we should be in about 10 or 20 years' time? Oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow. So in ten- <laughs> don't ask me what we're supposed to be doing in 10 years' time, mate. Jeebus. Uh, no, I, I'm. I, I well, we yeah, we just have to continue on doing what we're doing. We're going in the right direction. Clearly, um, we, we can see that on the ground. So the you know the work that we're doing is having an effect. And um, I, yeah, I just I, we we just carry on rolling with that. Really. Well, and, well um, see some of the issues here as well. It's just you know because we have done experiments in some ways, mm. uh, but. We- for our wildflowers on the site, we've never brought in any wildflowers from anywhere else. No, so no, no. Everything is just blown in on its own or whatever. Or was there in the past and is just, yeah. Not yeah, and, you know, and we, but we, we could now. We've got five uh, hay meadows. You know, we could maybe trial uh, adding different species in them, which might uh, be species which might be very adaptable to climate change, for instance. Mm. Things like that. Yeah. I don't know. I no. don't know if that's a good or bad idea. But I think... A good thing we've done here before, and it's something I'd like to see carry on going, is that we we talk about what we might want to do and we just have a mutual agreement. We don't go off in hissy fits. We kind of just respect each other. Oh, yeah. And and kind of agree what we're doing. Oh, yeah. Well, we will. Yeah. I mean, we've we've got the group. We've got a lot. I mean, when we first started out, I think it was sort of yourself, Tim, uh, Natasha, um, and, 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 it was just a that core group, wasn't it? Really, yeah. for a lot of the years, and and now the infrastructure's grown. We've got a lot more people. People here, the science has taken off. So you know, it, it's, it's a real, real good group here, and what we're doing, and and the research that we're doing here. So yeah, we just get on, all right, and um, have a chat, have some ideas, and just get on with it, really. 
And how's your knowledge of wildflowers come oh, up over the years? <laughs> don't, don't ask me that, Bruce. I've come got, on, you know. I've got a test for you. you no, know, I don't. Gonna, <laughs> no. Here we go. <laughs> no, I, in fairness, mate, you to, yeah, you've, you've, been, you've been dragging me along uh, by my earlobes for the last 17 years and trying trying to ram stuff in my brain about about what different different sort of fungi <laughs> are. And I, you know, yeah, I just, I'll stick to my cows and sheep. Uh, yeah, I've got an interest in them and I picked some, some stuff up off you. And like I say, when I first came here, you know, it was hardcore ag- agriculture was my background, and to sort of say that we're we're, we're growing mushrooms and fungi and, and all these plants, it was just like, what the heck is this? You know, it's uh, but you know, I've mellowed over the years and and, and picked some stuff up off you and, and various other people, and um, yeah. Well, I've picked up a lot from you, Hugh, because I've come here without a farming background <laughs> at all, and uh, just to, just to see how a farming operation goes and the, and the rhythm of the year, mm. and to see when you're lambing in the lambing sheds. I, I still think for you might be routine, but for me, it's still like an amazing experience to see lambing going on or to see your cattle giving birth as well. Yeah. By your cattle, by the way, resolutely not mooing for the... Uh, <laughs> no, they're not. They're not. Are you? <laughs> for the podcast. They're not good. Come on, uh, give us a moo. Not good actors, moo. are they? No. No. No, they're not doing that. It's not going to happen. But, uh, but I've learned an awful lot. And... Uh, and I continue to learn as well. I probably forget things and then relearn them yeah, again. Yeah, same as me. Yeah, yeah, we do. That's what we do, though, don't we? Yeah, and I, and I'm and I've got to apologise. I'm not someone who's like practically helping you out, like lugging things around all the time. Either. <laughs> no, it's all right, mate. <laughs> but because uh, that's the other thing as well. I haven't even asked over the years. You've had to maintain footpaths as well, and all the fencing. Yeah, and help the visitors to go round safely. Yeah, so only in the last since the estates team, Tom, Tom and his guys really have been put in place the last well the four years of it, since Tom and his team yeah. have been here really it was up up to me and 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 what well, yeah it was the farm really that maintained all the footpaths the kissing gates the fences um kept all the access open um so yeah no thankfully now Tom's come along and his guys it's 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 uh, lightened the burden a little bit it, it's been a so better integration uh, I think between the botanic garden operations it has and the farm it operations. has yes yes you can go on with the farming without having to worry about yes because yeah and for, for a lot for, for a long time the sort of farm was sort of oh it's over there the other side of the hill you know there was no there was no real links I suppose was there and, and that's yeah. slowly starting to get stronger and stronger now so it, um, you know um, that's a good thing. I don't just plod on here on my own, yeah. talking to the cows and the sheep. Eh? <laughs> it's on my, like I'm going crazy. But um, Well, anyone who's listening to this today, uh, just let you know, if you want to come and have a walk along uh, into Winelass, uh, there are footpaths from the Botanic Gardens. So if you come in as a visitor, uh, the, 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 the Winelass is just literally right on the, right on the edge. So from the Great Glass House, it's just like a five-minute walk down the hill and you're in Winelass. And then you, we have put footpaths that you can walk along. You can go see our restored landscape as part of Winelass as well. All the um, yep. all the woodland and, and the new lakes, that's all part of the National Nature Reserve. And then you can also walk along the farmland. Uh, and from now on, I can see things are already starting up in the meadows. You can see the Selendines are out. I imagine mm. the, uh, yeah. the Lady Smock will be out very soon. Um, but um, for peak time to see uh, how the meadows look the best... I'd recommend sort of from pretty much from mid-May through just through the summer, really. Through the summer months, yeah. Yeah, until early amazing. August, and, really. then, and then when they all the flowers go, then you come back and, and see all the different fungi yes. that are here and through till about December. Yes, yeah, definitely. So, okay, Hugh, that's been absolutely great, mate. Thank you very much. Yeah, nice to chat. Nice to chat. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, great. Jock and Val. I'm not even said. Yeah, Jock and Val. Shemai. Shemai, Jock. Foil. Foil. Yes, it worked. <laughs> well, I get a bit of a breeze on it. It's amazing that you just even that little breeze, you sometimes get the. Yeah, yeah, I was just thinking, oh, the breeze has kicked up a bit there. Will that will interfere? Oh, but, but it's nice. It's much nicer doing that out here, isn't it? That was brilliant, mate. I probably missed one or two things, but it doesn't matter. No, like I say, if you want to. Whatever you want to edit out, edit out, 